Welcome to New Polities Podcast, the most popular podcast where we tell you about the tyranny of politics. The politics of tyranny. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, we are here in our studio, if you're watching on the YouTube, and it is still, um, well, it's getting there. We got the drywall up. There's a lot going on in the ceiling, which There's we can't really show you. a very elaborate track system. Yeah, and we're putting up sound panels to get rid of this echo. But we thought we'd have the echo because we're, <laughs> we're talking about tyrants. Oh, so it's we need, all about echoing. It's booming through, a, through an empty room. And about so. repetition. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, so we are very grateful for all the support to get this studio off the ground. It has been a lot of fun. And I can't wait until it is just a seamless operation for our production of propaganda, which is what we want to talk That's about doing, right. today. <laughs> um, so we've been talking about tyranny. And we're just going to do a real quick, brief overview. I've been watching some of the videos that we shot, uh -huh. and it's like I'll start an overview, yeah, and then we'll just start like talking, like it's the same podcast, but we're like giving the overview. So it's like a ten minute introduction, to yeah, where thing. we just say it all again, yeah. We're like so, anyways, these these should get exponentially longer. <laughs> you know who does that is Pope John Paul II. I was going to say that. I was just going to say really? the papal encyclicals. That was the next phrase out of my mind. Uh, where, where it's like. Every time they, come, they revisit Rerum Navarum, they re-articulate the entire encyclical and then, add, and, then, <laughs> and then add to it. So that by, by the time you get the job, Paul II, it's like 120 pages yeah, long. Yeah, they're just like, I mean, this is called being faithful to the tradition, <laughs> is that you tell them the entire tradition before you, you make your little, uh, your little nuance. Yeah. You little okay, but we'll try to do it fast. So the tyrant is the one who rules for private gain. We believe we live under a tyranny, not to be mistaken with any particular big bad man, mm -hmm. but in fact, a structural tyranny in which rule is for private gain and people are uh, reacting in fear and submission also for the sake of their own private gain. Right. Um, and that this forms a total society. It's the flavor. It's the smell of where we live, how we live today. And um, really it's the only way that that tyranny can be built is in a a society of tyranny, a tyrannical society. Right, because no person has that kind of godlike power. Any one person is just a person, as Hobbes tells us. Any person can be killed by any other person. That's the basis of the universal fear. Yeah, totally. Right. And there, so, <laughs> so because of this, there's some, there's some methods that um, the tyrant, the tyranny needs to bring to bear in order to create the social order of tyranny. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to just emphasize again and again that these aren't like just options. These are, in fact, the necessary way of shaping human beings and their behaviors uh, in order for tyranny to work. Right. Because what we keep returning to is that if tyranny ever reveals itself as simply what it is, rule for private gain, then it incites rebellion against itself. Right. It's repulsive. We don't like it. We fight against it. Now, obviously, we live in a situation in which most people would agree that we live under some form of tyranny, I believe. I believe most people are like, yeah, government's bad, corporations bad, but no one fights. There's no rebellion. Right. It's just complete silence out there, which is proper, I think, to a successful tyranny, right? Indeed. So the mechanisms that we spoke of, what do we speak of? We started with the changing of norms, right? So the detachment of human behavior from any particular customary moral way of life. Right, which produces uh, pain. Produces pain Cruelty. because there is a fear of uh, of not keeping up with the norms, right. right? And there is the disposition to be receiving norms from an extrinsic source. So you start looking out right. in order to figure out how to be and what to do. Right. 
Talk um, about bureaucracy. Did so the the idea of the of the the replacement of persons in a social mechanism with um, cogs, office holders. Yeah. Right. Who are who are who are you're you're separating their ends. So the the office holder in a bureaucracy's end is whatever it may be, the support of his family or whatever, but it, what it is not is serving the person on the other end of the desk, yeah, that right. you've divorced his ends from his power. Right, and again, this is a way <clears throat> in which the rule for private gain can be transmitted to an entire society because what you create are people that are also ruling for their own private right. gain right. and who don't need to be involved with what normally motivates human behavior, which is the common good, the desire right. for the good. It's like now you can get people to do things that they might not normally do because they're working for money. Right, exactly. And one thing that we said that we should really point out, again, th this, is, this is prerequisite. You have to have a fearful community to begin with in order for people to do these sorts of things. Right, and it's important that we understand, that we understand what we mean by fear. We don't necessarily mean cowering in the corner. What yeah. we mean is, is anxiety, yeah. insecurity. Right. right. Like if you're a peaceful, happy people, if you're enjoying the goods you have, if you're resting, if you're feasting, right. then you simply have you have a sort of contact with the goods you want that doesn't require these new forms of behavior. That's right. So anxiety, that kind of fear, that kind of anxiety can be also about acquisition of more. It's yeah. not necessary. It doesn't have to be simply that the fear that something will be taken away. Right. Fear can also be positive in that sense, like right, you're after something. Right, right, right. Right. Is that all? We, is that are those the mechanisms we spoke of? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think in the the, the beginning we we talked about which which will, I think, maybe transition us into today's topic. Uh, we talked about the need to destroy or undermine um, centers of centers of peace or communities non like 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 Loki uh, of peace. Right, mm -hmm. places where human beings are bound together in mm -hmm. non-self-interested orders. Yeah, but each one of those is both a threat to the ty the tyranny and an opportunity for the the tyrant because there's value there, or there's things people care about, things people love that can be used against them. Which again, it's because people wouldn't normally work for your private gain. Right, it doesn't motivate them. You have to create lack. You have to create scarcity. You have to create pain. Um, where wherever you can in order to then create new centers of motivation. Well, now right. you can get these people to do this thing because they're scared of the consequences of not doing it, right? So everywhere there's a place where there isn't lack or, or isn't pain is both a place of potential resistance and also a, a point of potential expansion for the tyrant. There it is. Okay. Okay. Summarized. There we go. So, so far, that's <clears throat> just about what a tyrant's got to do to, <laughs> to get himself a tyranny without <laughs> inciting a rebellion. Right. Um, and now we want to talk about propaganda. You're right, propaganda. Because when you have the articulation of, of one person's will, not even one person's, when, when rule for private gain is the order of the day, then just as you have the bureaucracy, which needs to um, instantiate this law that's apart from the common good down 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 to each individual member of society um, you also have the need to be able to create in people um well let me say it like this you have a need to communicate to people mm -hmm. right i mean as simple as and because you're ruling for private gain this simply can't be in the normal mode of communication where right. i say hey 
here's the ends that I'm pursuing. And I, as leader, having some power, would like your help, need your help, even demand your help. Mm -hmm. Those conversations aren't happening because what's really happening is I'm saying, I want some gain. Uh, I mean, that's a tyrant, that's what I'm saying. So then I need to have a ability to communicate where I'm not involving, it does not involve any kind of back and forth conversation. Right. Yeah, I mean, human beings are intellectual, we're rational in our nature. So we have to have ideas that accompany our action, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to have some notion of what we're doing and why we're doing it. So that has to be, that has to be provided, right? So if, if the normal way in which that is provided is through conversation, and this, this I think is, is the Aristotelian and Thomistic understanding, and, and, and I don't know if this is the right time to go into it, but, but maybe we give a little preliminary with that. The understanding of man as a social animal is tied directly to the understanding of man as a linguistic animal. And the way Aristotle and then Thomas expounds upon the way he, they describe this is that as human beings discuss or communicate with each other, have conversations, what they, what they converse about is the true and the false, the good and, and the bad, the just and the unjust. We're talking about basically the universals of the world, like what, what, what is ultimately true about the world in which we live. And when we talk about that, we actually construct that conversation itself is what constitutes they say it produces both the household and the political community. Mm. So these emerge out of those conversations. And the way, the reason why is because what a conversation is, is a sharing of truth. So we're talking about a just conversation, a truthful conversation. So we, we live in a world, of course, that is infinitely complex. That is the things in the world are ideas of God. So each individual things, nature is, is beyond our, our scope of understanding and its completion. And so anything I say about it is, is an analogical truth or a participation in the truth, um, even if it's a truthful one, right? And so when I tell you something, I'm telling you something about the world, a truth about the world that comes from me, mm -hmm. right? And when you listen to me and learn from me, right. you are, in a sense, I'm being, um, you're being formed in my image, right? Like, so, so it, you, if I'm telling you the truth, you who are receptive to the truth, listening to me and obediently sort of receiving the truth are, I'm a cause, you're an effect, you're becoming formed in that. Then you talk to me. Now, now you are someone who, who bears my image within you right. in a sense. And now you turn around and tell me something about the world. And so now I'm going to bear, you're going to image yourself in me, but you now include the image of me, right, <laughs> the, right. the, the you that's being imaged of me. It goes back and forth. I think about and what, we talk about the world, and so the world gets built. Right. The things. What is the tree? What is the car? What is the thing? What does it mean? The world gets built for us together, mm -hmm. um, as we build each other. As and we're building each other as at home in that world that we're building. Mm -hmm. Right. So like we're becoming the persons that we are. Yeah. In at the same time as the world in which us as persons inhabits is being built as homage or congruent or fitting with who we're being built as, you see? I think of uh, the Garden of Eden just sort of as a helpful reduction in, in the sense of there's just a few people to talk about. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and what's fascinating is that when God makes man, he doesn't, he doesn't take the world and say, okay, Time for your big introduction to all the things. 
here's a tiger, here's a lion, here's a tree. Right. Rather, he gives the world to man to name. That's right. So man, this is, this is what you're saying, that you never have a objective truth if what you mean by objective is somehow apart from human participation. Rather, man actually creatively and freely looks at the given world of God and names it, begins to make it in his image. Participates That's right, yeah, and he, actual... na he names it. The naming, the names aren't just vocal noises. Right, right. Right, the names, the name bears in it its relation to the, all the other names. Yeah, because it came out it's of... It's a linguistic system. Adam's throat, it's, and it, and it yeah. will always bear a kind of... So when you name something, you're naming its integration into the world. And then Adam is given the task of then communicating that world to Eve. So right. one of the things the church fathers say is that one of Adam's great sins was he failed in his communication of the law of the garden, not to eat of the fruit of the tree. He failed to give it properly to Eve. But mm -hmm. what this shows is sort of what you're talking about, that the, the original human situation is giving the right world to each other. That's and right. in doing that, actually building up the unique and freely created world. Yeah, and you're building a world in which the... If, if it's done through conversation, truthful conversation, yeah. then what you're building is a world in which the persons engaged in the conversation are at home as them. So they're free within it. Yeah, the world know. makes sense to them. They can move within it as themselves. Sure. Their relationship with you is a part of the construction of that world. When I, when I thought <clears throat> about having kids, so like prior to having kids, I always thought it'd be funny to tell the kids something wrong. Yeah. Like, like just something small, like take jelly beans and call them forks and then call forks jelly beans and just right. like relentlessly. Like, I, I mess this. with my kids all the time. <laughs> exactly in this way. Right. Which is probably really bad. It is. Well, well what, what fascinated me is that then when I had a child and I was like, okay, now he's starting to learn to speak. So now's the time to like get this one thing where then he's going to call forks jelly beans. It's going to be hilarious because he's going to have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I felt this like profound sense that this is this is this is violent like if i actually go hard on this like and relentlessly teach him something that's not true and that isolates him from the social war yeah th then i'm doing a violence to the child it's not actually that funny <laughs> so i i do a similar thing where i'll say something like my the four-year-old will be looking at a giraffe or something yeah, yeah. and i'm like wow that's an awesome rhino <laughs> and then she goes it's not a rhino it's a giraffe and i'm like oh oh and i i let her win right Oh, I, I must have gotten it wrong. Right, that's good. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but I, th I think you see it right then and there this sort of profound sense of like the child isn't getting the world from anywhere else, but from language. That's right. Like, like what are the things that God has given us? How have we integrated them into the world? What do giraffes mean for us in particular? Because they don't mean the same thing that they mean for people that actually live with giraffes. Like how do we... Right, that's right. What's the content how, of giraffes? How do we introduce a child into the world? Well, it's not, I mean, th this insane idea that the children, that, that people just have this kind of like, well, they're just human beings and they're rational. And if they go out there, then the kind of things in the world will kind of enter into their minds and create ideas and they'll be able to... It's not that at all. I mean, it's all mediated through the actual giving of words, giving of language of course. to people. And, and in that, there is a profound opportunity for violence, right? Because you right. really can lie. You lie, right. You, yeah. and, and so lying becomes a distortion of the world. Well, and it's right? a way of saying, it's a way of taking that person 
who becomes fulfilled in their personhood by being brought into the social world and saying, no, not here. Like you're not actually going to, I'm not going to bring you into this world. So then what you do is you isolate them a little bit from the community. I mean, there's no, that's right. It's never just a linguistic lie. Like, oh, ha ha. They just have the wrong word or we just taught them something wrong. No, I mean, it's very, it's very appropriate. Isn't it? That the serpent lies. Right. From the very beginning. And he lies right in the scene of truthful language giving. So like right. the whole scene of the garden, the, the fathers say that what was Adam tilling and keeping? Well, he was keeping the law. And mm-hmm. then he was and he was filling the earth with the law. So with when truth. we say Yeah, truth, exactly. Right. Um and so for the first time, when the serpent comes, using language, which up to this point has been for the sake of gift of that social world. Mm-hmm. And he starts to lie, right. tell, say things that aren't true. You will be like gods. That's right, 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 right. And I mean, a lie is always, I think, so when you lie, you're distorting reality, right? You're, 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 you're instead of, instead of mediating the real to the other person, you're, you're, um, you're, you're creating a false real, right? Like you're creating something that isn't actually a mediation. So you're not receiving something from above and passing it to below. You're just passing to below, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Right, right. Which is, which well, is... Well, maybe we should pause on that because what you're saying above and below, you're saying that when we tell the truth, we look at the world, we see how things are, that's our reception. Right. And then when we speak, we speak it to someone who's in a position lower than us in the sense of they're obeying, they're listening. They need to be told this. If they already right. if they already have the content, their speaking becomes superfluous. Right. So a lie right. a lie does not mean that we are no does not mean that we abdicate our position of authority in which we speak below. Right. But what we do deny is our own dependence on That's right. So we're we're positioning ourselves as God. Right. So to lie is is to is to is to position yourself as as God. Which is I think the reason why one of the reasons why, for example, right, in the Psalms, the liar, the sort of archetype of the bad person is the liar, the mm-hmm. slanderer, the, the deceiver, the one with who uses his lips, his voice to hurt. Yeah. That, that's an act of violence, right? I mean, it's just re- repetitive um, throughout all the wisdom literature in the Bible, in mm-hmm. fact, because, because it is a form of self-idolatry. Right, right, because the world you mediate is essentially your own creation. That's right. It's your own creation. And that is to be... Behave like a god. Behave like a god, right? right. So, so lying is is, is not it, lying is a profound, profound um, sin, an I act mean, of aggression. The title Satan gets in the yeah, end is the, the father liar, of, father of lies. Right? So, when we talk about when we talk about propaganda, what we're talking about is is lying, right? And the, and the, the the key the key factor about lying is, I think, the key, and this is something that that Plato talks about when he talks about sophistry is is that lying is not necessarily that what you say is not true that that's not important what what's important about a lie is that the truth isn't doesn't matter mm. right <laughs> so so you have an ulterior motive mm. right you're not you're not telling them something for the reasons that it appears that you are totally right so which is why you can say something that's technically true but since your purpose is not it's to it's communicate deceitful. the real it can be deceitful right, right. exactly like I can say to someone like, you are beloved by God, you are a special person, and for the sake of manipulating them to do what I want. <laughs> but, but, but when you lie, lying only is efficacious because the person you're lying to is trusting you. Right. Right? So you're, they are looking at you as a source 
for, for the construction of this social world that they can share with you. Right. And so they're listening to you um, and allowing you then in their listening, and this is what makes lies efficacious, is they're allowing you to alter them, right? To change them, to right. fill their, their person with more information, more, I mean, to affect them. Yeah. And it like the way a potter affects the clay, like to actually kind of image themselves in totally. you. They're allowing themselves to do that. They've made themselves vulnerable to you. Mm -hmm. And it's only in that vulnerability that the lie is even efficacious. Right. So that that's just how much of an act of violence it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. You're actually going into the very core of the person. Right. Um, and hurting them. Right. And, and, and constructing a false world. Right. Right. Because. The way in which their world is built is through these conversations, this use of language. Yeah. And so when you tell them something that's untrue and you are deceiving them, you're actually distorting the world. You're making the world itself a place that is no longer ordered, right? That no longer kind of works. Yeah. So the, their world starts becoming populated with chaotic movements, chaotic elements, um, you know, which... <clears throat> um, which makes sense, you know, for the tyrant. I mean, this actually starts to serve the tyrant, right? Because what the tyrant, what the tyrant needs, as we talked about earlier, is to increase anxiety. So to the extent that the world that people are living in, to the extent that that world becomes not a mediation of the world God created, but rather a creation of human beings for ulterior motives, to the extent that that occurs... Yeah human beings are living in a world that is no longer rational, right? Like, like it no longer, it no longer, the world of their experience, um, the world they encounter outside is no longer sort of seamless with their own persons and with the world that the socially constructed world, right? So that, so it becomes, I hope, I hope this is making sense. It becomes, it becomes tense. And anxiety becomes entered in, entering into the very structure of the world itself, the yeah. social world itself. Well, it seems like with, with this description of lies, what you create is the, the lie isolates the person from the peace of the social order, right? Because no, they receive something, but it no longer re relates to reality. So mm -hmm. they're formed in, in an image. But what it seems to me is really important is that, well, that person is now in a different way, dependent on the liar. So when, some, when I tell you the truth, mm -hmm. you are dependent on me to form you in my image as the one bringing you the truth. But right. in a larger way, you're dependent on the same thing I'm dependent on, namely reality. Mm -hmm. I'm describing reality. I'm receiving right. it and I'm, and I'm bringing it to you. If we're telling the truth to each other, what you tell me should never clash with what I already know. Right, and you have- It should only deepen what I know. Exactly. And, and one, a negative way you could describe this is you have like this obvious ability to check what I'm saying because it around. relates to the real. <laughs> yeah, right. But when you, when you start to lie to someone, it's a position of power. Uh, well, maybe a darker position of power because that person only receives the world from you in the lie. There's right. no like, that's right. So, so there's no lie that isn't at the same time an assertion of oneself over the other as the sort of sole source of their world. Yes, right. It becomes unilateral. Right. Like you just receive the world from this person, from this mind. Right. Because it has, it's not being mediated from the real. That's it's, right. It's just coming from the mind of that man. Yeah. So what we're getting at here is, is, you know, how we talked about in the very beginning, the two forms of mastery. And we said there's the mastery of the, uh, that's um, 
personified in, say, the father over a son, which is this kind of mastery of building each other into a shared world. Mm -hmm. And then there's the mastery of the servile form or the, of a master over a slave, yeah. which where, where the slave is used as an instrument for the fulfillment of the master's ends. Mm -hmm. um, and in that, that's a unilateral form of communication, right? So, so you are, there's not a conversation between the master and the slave, right? Right? They're, not, they're not building each other into a shared world. The, the master is dictating to the slave. Yeah. And the slave is responding to the master. Right. So is the master lying? Well, yeah, strictly speaking. I mean, I think it, like, it doesn't matter what the master says, he's lying. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, so, but this is really, it goes against the grain, I think, of what we, what, what we want to believe propaganda is sometimes, right? Is this sort of, right, the poster that's, on the wall that's saying like some objective untruth like mm -hmm. but what you're saying propaganda is is ultimately the establishment of this false relationship mm -hmm. right right where the truth isn't really what matters um what matters is the relationship that's affected by the lies as it were right yeah so so you know so what does the slave do he conforms to the the language of the master mm -hmm. because he must because that's the only way his social world does not become a world of, of violence, mm -hmm. right? So this is the world that propaganda produces. So it, what, what, what I'm getting at is that, is that propaganda... So one of, the, one, of the, uh, one of the ideas that we talked about with tyranny, which directly comes into this conversation, is that idea that tyrants need to destroy the, any sort of um, location of peace or of social cohesion that, that sort of comes from below or comes from some other source, some aspect of human nature, this pursuit of the common good, um, <clears throat> and replace that with the order that they produce. Yeah. And this is what we're doing. What we're talking here is the same thing, only in the intellectual realm or the linguistic realm. So the, 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 what, the, what the tyrant, what tyranny needs is for the individuals, the people, to become atomized, as atomized as possible, so separated from each other. Right, but the only way, because we're intellectual beings, the only way that atomization can occur is if a world is provided unilaterally. So instead of a world being provided or being created through conversation, right, where we're creating it together, if you're separated out, the world is just provided from above, and then you, as a scared individual in a chaotic world that makes no sense, find some degree of order some degree of safety, some degree of security in your desperate sort of anxiety by conforming to that world, mm -hmm. right? So here's a world of power that the master, the tyrant is, is producing or showing me a world that has pieces that fit together and that seems to be, seems to exist. I'm alone and scared, but if I become a member of that, if I can conform myself to his will, mm -hmm. to the will of this, to this world, then I fit in to the world, mm -hmm. right? Well, that is the master-slave relationship, mm -hmm. right? That is the master saying, go plow the field, and the slave saying, well, I'd really rather not, but I, I will, because if I don't, I'll be punished, yeah, right? So, so I'll go be the plowman. So you think of it, <clears throat> I mean, it seems to me that ads, propaganda, as we receive it, uh, risks being kind of ridiculous whenever you have a uh, center of human community that that is at peace and and doesn't and, and has its own culture and its own logic you know so like I think about um, 
something as simple as like beer commercials or something mm -hmm. that what does a beer commercial do? Well, makes me want beer. Makes you want beer. How does it do it? <laughs> <laughs> Usually the way it does it is by showing you um, things that you want. So it shows people at parties, it shows people watching sports together. It shows people with like men with beautiful women, women with beautiful men. It shows essentially the fulfillment of desires. It doesn't show beer or like how it's made, except for that the people. No, really, it it, are holding it, it. it paints a world, right? But then right? the point is this: if your world was actually satisfied, right? Like if you are enjoying life, if you have friends, if you have festivals and parties, if you have family and you're living your vocation with a right. marriage or whatever it is, then there's something a bit silly about being told that if you drink this beer, you'll get these things. I mean, I'm, right. I'm speaking yeah, very yeah. basically. It's like, oh, I already have those things. Don't worry, man. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So there's a way in which any kind of attempt at propaganda, right, which is to, to get people to do the will of another without actually uh, entering into that shared world of right. conversation, but delivering it, the word you keep using is unilaterally. So it's right. from one source, right. not mediated. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is only possible if we also simultaneously are creating people who don't have those goods, right? Who are, like you say, atomized. Right. So it's, it's when I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't have a lot of friends and I don't know what happiness is and I don't know what I'm doing with my life and I'm just mm -hmm. working this job and trying to survive. And if you have all of these moments in which you're not enjoying the goods of this world, then you become an effective object of, in this case, advertisement. It's also the case, so that's absolutely, there's a feedback loop here, right? Because yeah. that's absolutely the case. Um, but it's also the case that the atomized individuals, the atomized pe people themselves can't be produced, they can't come into being separate from the production of propaganda, mm. right? Because, because human beings have to be in a world Right, like to a be. So, to be. Uh, I mean, if they're not, if 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 you could, if you could imagine a, a, a person not in a in a propaganda world, so an, a, an atomized individual who's not in, initiated into some fictitious world, um, I think they would immediately seek friends. <laughs> right, like 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 they would need friends Im immediately and mm -hmm. find them mm -hmm. and go out and start talking to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, so so you create. The creation, so this is, this is the, the creation of an atomized society, which is the creation of a mass society, right? A society of human beings that are capable of being ordered outside of their personhoods, but it'd be ordered as interchangeable parts. That is a, a necessary component of that is the creation of the propaganda regime. And that is, historically is, of course, exactly what happens, right? Like as, as people move to the cities, as the cities are built, as industrialization progresses, as mass politics is built, that is simultaneous to the creation of mass communication, mass culture, mass um, education, right? All the sort of uh, uh, avenues of propaganda, right? I mean, these are, these are the same historical movement, the same mm -hmm. historical dynamic. They don't, one doesn't happen without the other, mm -hmm. right? And, and so I think that one of the things that happens here is that as people become in, um, atomized from each other increasingly, and so they're living 
in a world that is being given them from above, not one that they're building with their peers, then the, there, there is no conversation going on with the propagandist, right? The propagandist is just, is, just, is just bombarding people with a world. This is the world, this is the world, this is the world, this is the world. And you say, that's the world, I better. And so the only, the only movement then into the world is not a mutual movement, but is a movement of submission to that world, sure. right? Um, and the way in which that works, I think, is by conforming um, to certain characters within that fictitious world. So the fictitious world presents you with characters, right? Like you can be the, the beer drinking kind of like frat boy guy who's mm -hmm. hanging out with his buddies mm -hmm. in the beer commercials. Mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the things you can be, mm -hmm. right? You could be the sort of like middle-class soccer mom. You can be that. You can be whatever. I mean, you could be the country music listening guy with the camouflage baseball cap. Mm -hmm. You can be, right, there's all different things you can, there's different things you can be, but you've got to be one of them, Yeah. right? You can't, so, so the demographics, so this is, this is an interesting phenomenon about propaganda where we often think of the propagandist as reacting to society, right? Like, like there's, there's demographics out there and then they design their advertisements for those right. demographics. And that that is happening, but it's it's one it's one sort of feedback loop system where the creation of the propaganda for those demographics is the creation of the world in which those demographics or those characters become the sort of fixed points within that world, right? So people are conforming themselves to the propaganda, which creates the reality of the demographics. Then the propagandists react to the demographics, which creates the demographics even larger, even more solid, like a more solid um, sort of real social force those demographics yeah. become, right? So what we're talking about, though, is, is that you become, and this is something, I mean, this is maybe sort of jargonish, but you become, this is what we might think of as the creation of individuals, right? So like, rather than persons. So you, as you become conformed to certain models um, that are presented from above, you just become individual individual instances of those models. Yeah. Right. Rather than and that and that's the way that's the way the system as a whole perceives you and treats you, okay. and that's where and you need to be treated that way, accept being treated that way, um, in order to fit into this fictitious world that you're being given, in order to be of some degree of peace. Right. You need to accept that that's what you are. So what that means, though, is these demographics. Or these characters become become basically they're like an animal species. I want to say. I mean, I mean, where where they they react in certain ways. They have certain opinions. They have certain basically sort of batteries of reactions and instincts. Mm -hmm. And you find your place in this order by adopting those reactions, those instincts, those behaviors, mm -hmm. um, which is a subordination of your reason mm -hmm. um, in favor of impulse. Right, and the, to the extent that you can internalize that, to that extent you are most perfectly a representative of the sort of character that fits into the fictitious world. Right, right. So now you're you're more governable. You're also, um, you, you, I mean, you, you, it's a desperate attempt to feel um, that that you're not alone. <laughs> you know, a desperate attempt at some form of peace, but it fails. But right, because if the you become alienated from yourself, I mean, you become lonely. Um, if the tyranny is predicated on destroying 
those locations of peace wherein people don't need the tyrant or anything that right. he can offer, then that, the, the atomization that occurs um, means that people need to become who they are by a different source. Mm -hmm. And what it, it's interesting because it's like the production of demographics um, is the only way that someone could see a mass or could uh, attempt to converse, as it were, with like a mass society. Right, yeah. You can't talk to each individual person. Like if you wanted to like get a bunch of people, like 10 people, to do your will, mm -hmm. and you would have to go to each of them and right. sort of articulate your will. But that's precisely what the tyrant can't do because his will for private gain, right? That's right. He needs, to, he needs to cut out as many middle people as possible. Well, that, and in conversation, there is the allowance of the other person's reaction. Yes. Like, hey, man, buy this soap. Well, I don't need this soap. Oh, then you have a problem, right? Yeah, because yeah, that's not exactly. what you want as a tyrant. If you want private gain through the selling of soap, then you, yes. want, uh, <laughs> you don't want a chance for the other person to yeah, speak. But right. once you deprive people of that, of that chance to speak, you're also depriving them of their personhood, right? Which is that linguistic rational reality. That's right. By which That's what I mean by your yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're driving their rationality deeper and deeper into their into right. like their their deep self, right? Like where right. where now their their reason becomes limited to figuring out how to appease the the power, figuring out how to integrate themselves into the this fictitious social world, rather than their rationality being out in the open as mm -hmm. who they are. Mm -hmm. Right, and that that is the treating them as uh, as an animal. Right, because propaganda is giving people a world created by man, and not letting them converse about it. That's right, and so yeah. be able to find out that it's not the real world, or converse with the one who gives it to them. Right. So one of the one of the tricks of propaganda, or one of the really interesting things, I guess, about it is that as it becomes the world in which we live, the propaganda produced world, then when we do talk to each other, because we are human beings, and so there's always some degree of communication, sort of horizontally. We end up talking about it, right. right? So we end up talking about politics. We end up talking about TV shows. We end up talking about, right? Like, like we end up talking about those characters and plot lines and demographics and things that that world is presenting us. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, um, because that's sort of the world we live in, right? We don't have anything else to talk about. What do mm -hmm. we talk about? We talk mm -hmm. about what we see on the screens. Right. And, and when we do that, we're actually, then at that point, propaganda is penetrating into the authentically human behavior and using it, right? So now we're kind of building each other as, as these participants in the fictitious world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's where it gets particularly nefarious, mm -hmm. right? To the extent that it can do that. Um, I think at this point, at that point, the propagandist really is like God, right? Well, because yeah. because it, he, he's given us the world that we're now going to talk about. Right. So it's real. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that maybe we, we, we sort of skipped over when we, when we started this conversation was that you and I immediately go to like advertising and marketing. And that it may be something that for a lot of people feels jarring because they're used to propaganda. Being right. There. They might ask, okay, so what is propaganda actually? What's the limit and scope of it? So this is the, this is the sort of, we've laid out, I hope, propaganda in its sort of metaphysical aspect, right? Right. The, the delivery of a world unilaterally from the ruler to the slave. Right. Um, without any chance for conversation, right? Um, and in, in in a way that makes 
uh, like that atomizes those who receive the propaganda and gives them the fear, creates in them the fear um, that they are not participants in that world and that they must become participants in that world in order to have. Yeah, uh, and, and, the, and the more work. the more. It's like as you go deeper into propaganda, a propaganda regime, the more absurd that world becomes, right? The more, the more ridiculous the truth that the fictitious world is presenting. Um, and so the more divor divorced from what we would think of as like common sense. Well, but right? you can see to your, to your point about like, well, what in particular is propaganda, how with that definition, there's no hard line between like governments lying to you and corporations advertising to you and TV shows entertaining you and like the, what is common to all these aspects. And the reason we can talk about a propaganda regime, mm -hmm. right, as involving all of these aspects is because in each case, the powerful are speaking a world to those below them, not as a conversation in which a world is built up between rational persons choosing means towards mm -hmm. the end of the common good but as it were top down and at the expense of those with an ulterior below. motive yeah well, with the ulterior motive of private so case. so so there is this is this gets complicated because in a just regime there is instruction right sure there is um hierarchy there is fathers and sons and but when when speaking is occurring there we might think of it as like preaching <laughs> if, it's, if it's just right so you're you're informing your the the end is shared with the one you're speaking to, right? right? So the end is for that person, you're informing that person, um, you're instructing them in the world that they are, that the objective is for them to share in it as fully rational participants, yeah. right? You're bringing them up into the world where they then become the rulers, right? right? They become the participants, but the propagandist never does that. That's yeah. not the objective, yeah. right? You can't, you can't, the, the propaganda or the lie doesn't elevate the one the one who was being lied to, right? It, it drives them down and subordinates them. Yeah. Right. Further. Right. Cause it's not teaching, it's not telling them the truth about the world. It's not giving them power. It's robbing them of power. Don't you think this is why advertising seems to tend towards not even attempting to say like some kind of truth. Cause you think about like the first lies always ride on the expectation for truth. Right. Right this uh, toothpaste will make your teeth white or whatever. Right, yeah. yeah. Right, that you want some just objective thing. Yeah. But um, I, was, I was driving past a Wendy's, I think, and they had an ad that said, um, new chicken salad sandwich, fall in love again. Awesome. <laughs> and I, I was, I, I think what struck me was the fact that I wasn't struck. Like, mm -hmm. like I, I read that and was like, oh, there's an ad. And then I as I sometimes do, started to think about it. I was like, oh, that's actually insane. Like, that's something a psychopath would say. It has, <laughs> the one seems to have no relation whatsoever to the other. Mm -hmm. Like, what does falling in love have to do with a chicken salad sandwich? I, I couldn't, I really couldn't think of a connection. I mean, at best, you could be like, well, you like the taste of it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's nice. And I guess love is also nice. So maybe you can sort of, <laughs> but, but the connection between the words is so tenuous as to be non-existent. So... So what's really happening when we make ads like that? Because it's not just that. It's like that seems to be the end point of all advertising 
like regimes is that you start with like, I mean, you just look at the history of advertising in America generally at first, they're like didactic. Like ads would be like this piece of paper that just tells you that data. would tell you all the stuff about the cough drops. And you and know what's sure, even crazy? Some of it, was like some of it didn't, was, was a lie, but it was at least being like, look, it'll do this and it'll increase your fertility and it's going to like. But you think <laughs> about what the assumption is, right? Is that like you're speaking to people who have a real world that they live in. Right. And that you need to react to that world. Right. So what are their problems? What are the things that they're concerned about in that world? Right. So I can tell you this information about this product, right? Right. But now all you need to do is say something like, Chewing gum, own the night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, are we talking, what are we doing? What? But it, it's, it's, <laughs> it struck me after speaking to you that it's not like because obviously these ads are effective. I mean, Extremely, this is the thing. Yeah. Any it, they produce the world. Any existing <laughs> advertisement, by virtue of its existing at this point, means that it's an effective advertisement. Like we know, like the algorithmic data on what works is already in play. Yeah. Okay. Right. So when we see nonsensical ads we must know that nonsense at some point is effective in serving getting private gain for for tyrants mm -hmm. like that has to work why well it seems to me that what you have in the nonsensical ad is the opportunity to display a sort of pure trust trust in in the regime or what looks like trust because when there's no particular even if when there's no attempt even to speak into a world of conversation that's about the real world, right? When the brand is so known that it's not even questioned and you can simply say something about it. It's like you purify right down to the essence of propaganda, the sheer delivery of a made up world. Absolutely. Like fiction itself is it, the point. But it becomes that what you're, what, what and you're. the delight of the person who sees that ad. Like, why do we like those ads? Because obviously we like them. Right. Like that's why they're being produced to some extent. The delight is that there's this feeling of security, not in the fact that like the chicken sandwich has been successfully described in a way that makes me want it as sandwich. No, the feeling of, of uh, sort of almost, it's almost like a fleshy sort of sensual security that comes with seeing like a big ad and then driving past it or whatever, is that, oh, the world is still being delivered. Yeah, the world, the, someone is in control of the world and they're offering and they're, and they're offering me it. it. Yeah. yeah, I know. And, and I, I think that I actually think this is this is when we say propaganda as a fixed, a fixed or necessary action of the tyrant. And then we start talking about all this modern stuff and maybe it's, it's helpful. Maybe it would be helpful to go back and see how yeah. this form, this form persists in, in, say, ancient civilizations where the way the pagan regimes work. And I'm just going to go here, even though this may be going way off on a tangent. But but the idea that you know, offering sacrifice to a god, you know, offering, you know, killing and burning up a goat on an altar is somehow going to make you have good crops in the spring, right? When there's no actual causal link mm -hmm. between the, the burning of the goat and the crops, like they don't touch each other. Mm -hmm. They only touch each other through a third, right? And the third is the will of the god and mediated through the priests and the kings. Yep. They're telling you, they're printing a world to you. They're presenting a world to you that in which this action produces this result, even though the actual world in which you inhabit, those things never touch each other, Sure. right? So that is, that's like what we're talking about. It's a fictitious world that is, that is a world that has causes in it, that has um, a co sort of coherence to it that comes from the people in power as a third, that's the, and the, the third that ought to be filled by God, <laughs> but is instead filled by these God men. Right, right. Like the, and that produces order, a degree of order. And people who are, are scared clamor for that order. And so they offer the goats, yeah. right? 
Um, and, and that's, that's you know, modern marketing or modern propaganda is, is, a, is a, a, a particular historical manifestation of, I think, the same sociological right, dynamic. Right. The disconnect from reality is the point. Is the point. It is right. not like a odd thing that sometimes happens to advertising because people are, are they, they indulge in hyperbole. No, if, if there wasn't a disconnect from reality, then the priest telling you that you should water your crops is just giving you, so you have a good year, is just giving you good advice. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, he's not in control. Right, and so similarly, the, the, the propagandist who is telling you that your purchase of a Toyota will, will mean that you have sex soon. Right. <laughs> it, it, is, it, I mean, he's simply, he's simply lying. But, but the, the trick is, is, is that, that it sort of works because if you do buy the, let's not do a Toyota because that's unrealistic. Let's say a Porsche. Sure. With the sex part. I mean. Right. I okay. So, so, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. And I, so let's say, let's say you do buy the Porsche, solid car. right? But, but the whole, the whole propaganda regime is also constructing the people who want right. to have sexual relations with people who drive Porsches. Totally. So you may, it may actually work. Right. Just like the goat and the crops. Well, right, because, because the, the, dis, the disconnect from reality is never just a disconnect as such. It's always trying to build a coherent unreality, mm -hmm. right? Like in the, in the normal world, <laughs> the normal world, in the real world, right? Like people get married because they love each other. Right. Now, people still need to get married. People still need to love each other. We need to produce people for right. tyrants, right, to, to have anyone to rule over. But in the unreal world, you create new causal links that only are true within the fictional. That's right. Within yeah. the fictional world. That's right. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I think that no, there's a like like all these aspects of tyranny that we've been talking about, they they kind of fail. They don't. I mean, they work sort of, right? right? But that they they can't work ultimately because human beings are actually human beings. So there is a trap in this in this propaganda uh, world for the tyrant and, and that the, ty the tyrants, and that is that it, it develops an inertia. So it's efficacious to the extent, the fictitious world is efficacious to the extent that the individuals who make it up have internalized it as the world and are living in it. Mm -hmm. But then that also, so the demographic, another way of saying that was to the extent that the demographics become real. Yeah, they just become, become they become in fact what's, what, what's in the world. Well, that also then constrains the tyrant, right? Yeah. So now, now the tyrant has to placate this, this mass of people as much as command it. Mm -hmm. He has to worry about, about what it, you know, its desires and wants, who it's been formed to be, mm -hmm. right? So, so, there is, so the sort of perfect, perfect tyranny of, say, of perfectly animalized um, people who've just, who've adopted entirely roles within a fictitious world, that world itself loses any ability to um, change. Mm -hmm. It becomes, it becomes fixed. Yeah. And, and so the tyrant's power becomes nullified. I mean, I, there's like, there's like a zero point, like a convergence on, right. on yeah, zero. Because if, if, if you've <clears throat> created the whole ad world, <laughs> called the ad world, um, and it's coherent in itself, well, then you can't, you have to be obedient now to that, to that coherence. I mean, think about like, you know, you can't, <laughs> like having created the country music demographic and having created a, a submissive portion of the population that conforms to that demographic right. and thus attains the identity that they don't have right. from their atomized communities. Yes. Having done that, well, you're kind of limited in your scope of how to reach those people. That's right. Now yeah. you have to actually produce the things that reaches them. Yeah. Right. 
No, and I, and I think Which that- Which goes back to what we were saying, that in tyranny, a, 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 a sameness of culture and not a kind of plurality of, of ends where everyone is sort of freely choosing and, and becoming, you know, different and exciting. It's just not, it's just not how tyranny works. I mean, it just ends up producing, uh, yeah, inertia. Is it, there, there, yeah, it, it gains an inertia. What ends up happening, I think, is that everyone becomes a slave, including the, the tyrants. Yeah. Um, and so it, we become more animal-like. Um, so we become increasingly driven by instincts and reactions and, yeah. and, and less by reason, right? right? Less by freedom. Um, it seems that the, the ads, <laughs> I, I guess I think too much about ads sometimes. You have ads on the brain. I do have ads I think, on the brain. I think mostly about the Nazis. About the Nazis, yeah. That's <laughs> about where we go to. But, but, I mean, this is all present there. It's crazy. I mean, the, the, the idea that the camps, the concentration camps, are sort of the perfect manifestation of the totalitarian world, but then they also become a, 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 an environment that's totally fixed in what it can do, right? And, and the Nazis themselves, you know, all the way to the end, you know, that, that they, they become... I mean, there's true believers all the way to the end that just want to destroy as much as possible as they're dying mm. because they have the inertia of the totalitarian movement, the inertia of the propaganda is such they can't live in a different world, right? right? I mean, we see this historically. I think looking at, at history is somewhat enlightening here because it is the case that at first, in the development of advertising, it has to rely on the development of propaganda. It has to rely on the already existing communities that really are involved in the work of building up a social order, right. mediating the world to each other, right? Like that advertisement has a kind of slow growth to it. We talked about how at first it is very didactic. Right. Um, but what's fascinating is that where it becomes, there's two things that be, that are necessary, I think, to to successful propaganda, right? One is that you know where people are looking, right? And two is that you don't treat them as persons. Mm -hmm. Now, the first part, knowing where people are looking, is very simple. Again, propaganda is avoiding giving a world through conversation in which the other person is a participant, right? right? So that means that you can't have individualized conversations. You mm -hmm. can't have, you know, the propaganda that goes around and saying like, you should think this, you should think this, you should think this, because it, uh, it leads to the possibility of conversing. Why should I think this? Right, right. <laughs> um, but that means that propaganda relies on there being common spaces and common places in, in which the takeover of that space um, means that, you are being seen by many people mm -hmm. as opposed to that, that one particular conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think you actually see this, right? Like one of the first problems <laughs> that they had with any kind of like national advertising or marketing is just that they didn't have signs like posters, billboards um, that were of any uniform shape or size. Okay? Right. It's like, okay, I want to tell a whole nation one thing. It's like, well, that's going to be tough because because the you know the wall of the of the town hall that you want to post your thing is a different size and it's made out of something different here right. than it is over there. 
So what are you going to do? How are you going to make sure that you are able to display your information on that wall and that wall? I mean, it sounds very basic, right? But it is a problem. The difference within a community that is at peace and producing its own world is it, it rejects it's a, yeah, from it's the a, beginning it's tyranny. Yeah. Right, right. So there's the, the homogenization. So if the tyrant who wants to rule for private gain, so wants to talk to people not as persons, but as a mass, has this problem of the actual world that they've built, which is differentiating. It's right. fruitful, it's multiplying, it's different here, it's not the same there. And you have to have spaces that are all the same in order to say give a message that's that's the same each time. Well, there's two options. On the one hand, you cease being a tyrant, right? So you actually go and you conform the message to the particularities of the community. It's like, oh, right. wow, this needs to be this size and this shape, and these people speak this particular dialect, and they have this particular way of doing things. And so if I'm going to convince them, then I have to act act like them. Mm -hmm. Or... Which is, by the way, the church does, the way the church historically does it. Well, and we'll talk about that okay. at the end. <laughs> like to go to them and to become them. Right, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or what you do is is you make them like you. So there's a right. preliminary destruction. So within America, it's pretty simple. It was the invention of the billboard. The billboard is the takeover of a certain common space with a uniform size. This is what's really important is that you create the pure potentiality for messaging, which means that someone can print the same size poster and put it on each sure. one of these one of these billboards. But what's important to, to see from, from our perspective is that the world... Uh, of diversity has to become the same, like the billboard has to be the same everywhere, right? In order for a, a message to be propaganda to be repeated. Mm -hmm. So right then and there, you have this <laughs> the the conflict, sort of the the primordial conflict between uh, tyranny and peace. Right. That yeah, peace right. produces difference, and then that difference has to be destroyed in order to get uh, right. rule for private. Rule for private gain. Um, yeah, and that just yeah. becomes extended into more and more realms and more and more advanced until we get the computer screen, and it's, which is the perfect well, but it's the, the perfect billboard. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's interesting because you have like so obviously at first, right? Propaganda relies on these common spaces that can be taken over. So people like bemoan like the commercialization of Christmas, yeah. like oh, it's so sad. Why did we make Christmas about you know all of this? Um, all this greed and commercial activity and just the time to like sell, you know, what corporations want you to buy. It's like, no, it had to be Christmas. Why? Because Christmas was a Christian festival where people who were foreign to that festival, so not participating in it, could look at us and say, oh, they are all here. They are all doing this thing. This is the thing to take over. Right. Because it's, it's starting where, point. Right. It's where we can guarantee, you know, uh, attention. So in the initial stage of any propaganda regime, what it looks like is the takeover of common spaces. Right. I think so that's right. Common views become populated with billboards. Common common walls become you know the site of, of message boards. Common festivals become the place, the time, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this is right from the beginning. Napoleon, Napoleon mandating certain sermons to be preached. Right. Everyone's at the church. Everyone's listening. Everyone's there. That's, that's the thing the, that's to attack. when you get them. Yeah. Everybody's in Sunday school, so we're going to produce a catechism. Right, right. Right? And and you have, I mean, similarly, they have to understand, like you were saying, so what's the first problem? Language. Right. So everybody needs to speak the same language, so we better get rid of all the regional dialects. Everyone learns Parisian French. Right, 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 right. Right? Everyone loves Ber Germany as it's German as it's spoken in Berlin. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, Now, what happens then? 
as the propaganda regime goes more and more successful, those common spaces are destroyed. The festivals are actually replaced with commercial events. Um, and so there's no, there's a direct sort of necessary link between what propaganda wants to do and then ultimately a surveillance state. Mm -hmm. What I mean by this is very simple. Once you have, <laughs> once, once you have replaced these sort of common spaces, common gazes with, um, with a point of propaganda, so a giving of, of this fictitious world, then eventually, once all those spaces are destroyed, then the use of or the reception of propaganda becomes the thing itself, right? So now when do you put the ad? Well, you put it during the TV show. But the point is the TV show is already the thing that... The TV show is already propaganda. It's already propaganda that right. already relied right. on the destruction of communal entertainment to right. atomize populations of people who would otherwise get together to entertain themselves as a community and thus... Be and thus build a world. Build a world and be together. dangerous to tyranny. Tell stories, sing songs. Theater or whatever it is. Stuff, right. right. So once you've utilized that, like, oh, here they all are. So we're going to... You know, we're Standardize. Actually, now we'll, they'll all come together and watch a movie. Right. A moving picture. But in a way that's that's not dangerous to the regime anymore because they're not doing it for themselves. They can receive that from Hollywood. Right. So it's a it's an But then the next step is get them out of the theater and get them at home. Right. TV. Right. And then once you get them at home, then you divide up the family by getting each one a screen. Screen. Right. But then the but then the but then they go out into the world because they have to go to work. They have to ride the bus. That's a problem. So you give them an iPhone. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so now. So, but the point is that once you. <laughs> Once you replace uh, the sort of known communal aspects by which you know when people are going to watch, when people are going to listen, and you replace that with moments of propaganda, then eventually what you what you end up doing is propagandizing within propaganda. So it just becomes the total world, the total life. That's right, yeah. And so this idea of like, well, now... I think we sometimes think of these things as disconnected. It's like, well, now we, we know where people are all the time. They're all carrying these devices. We know right when they are, as if this was somehow different from the initial attack that we need to know where people are in order to give them this information. We need to take over the common space, the common festival. Right, right, right. right. Um, that, what we're seeing is the logical result of that, is that you just create a people that are always known and can always be given um, the world. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. Freaks me out sometimes. It's terrifying. <laughs> but there is an upside. Yeah. So let's try to be hopeful. What, Here. that we can use all of this for Christianity? No, it won't work. I'm afraid not. <laughs> that I'm afraid won't work. The only, way, the only way to preach the gospel is to actually preach it. Yeah. Right. Um, which, is, which is what the church does, right? Like uh, to enter into people um, and make the gospel an aspect of who they are show them what it is because it fulfills everybody as they are as human beings. It doesn't require homogenization. It, it allows them to become more fully their distinct peoples, right? But um, what I was going to say is that as that world becomes more complete, that propaganda fictitious world like we've been talking about here, it, it, it increasingly is not, it increasingly, it loses the touch points with, the real world, like the, 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 the alternative world, right? Because like you said, initially the billboard had to be in a touch point, like where there was an actual community. Yeah. That was a, a real place. public was, square. Was, <laughs> but as that becomes more complete, it becomes, it, it, it loses those, those necessary integrations into the real world, I think, to where it's more easily, it becomes easier in some way to shut the whole thing off. Yeah. 
Like, like because it's become so seamlessly complete at this point, you can pretty much bow out by turning the computers off, right. like pushing the off button. Right. And, then, and then you've disappeared, right? Like you don't exist anymore to the product, <laughs> right? Like, right, like, right. You, like you're not actually physically not in their world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and so maybe it becomes, maybe there's, a, there's a, you know, maybe there's a hopeful element to it that it becomes so complete, so fictitious, so fake that it doesn't really have the power it, it, it thinks it has, mm-hmm. you know, that it just becomes nothing but an ad. Just don't look at it. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There's a um, connection, right, between the word propaganda and then its first usage. Right? Yeah. You should, I mean, what was it? Yeah, yeah. In the 17th century, in the 1622, I think it, I have it written down, Gregory the 15th, Pope Gregory the 15th, who begins the, the Congregation for the Propagation of the Faith. But prop, in Latin, it's, it's de propaganda uh, fide which is where we get the Latin word propaganda. So it becomes, it just, be, it enters into English um, through the church. The church is, coins the term. Mm. I mean, it's Latin, but it coin, it, that's where it comes from. So if you look in, in older English dictionaries, the first definition will be that, the congregation, the, Ro- the Roman congregation for the propagation of the faith. That's where the word comes from. And so, you know, it, it takes this sort of sinister turn. But I think that what, what that points is that there is, a way of like everything that tyrants do it's a perversion of of a proper thing right so that you know no, no, numerous times throughout this conversation preaching has come up and and so the propagation the congregation for the propagation of the faith is, is the missionary aspect of the church hmm. so to go out to places that are not a part of this social world of peace which is the church and initiate them into it mm-hmm. teach them and there is a sort of top-down aspect of teaching right we know this we see this everywhere like you're instructing you're in, and but what you're doing like we've said before is you're doing it um with the motive of the same end that the person you're teaching has right you're you're both you're together in a project of pursuing perfection and so you're aiding them in the pursuit of their perfection you're bringing them into the gospel and the way in which you do that is by speaking the truth to them in their world. Because if they, to the extent that, that different cultures, different peoples live in a world of peace, to the extent that it's peaceful, it's truthful. Mm-hmm. And so if Christianity is the completion of truth or the ful- ful- fulfillment of truth in Christ, then it's always capable of, of entering into truthful worlds. So to the extent that they're peaceful, it's, it's capable of entering into that world and perfecting it, not destroying it. Mm-hmm. So it's so there's a sort of holy propaganda, propaganda. right? And it's a propaganda. <laughs> it's a propaganda that invites people. So it's it's quite the opposite of the tyrannical perversion of propaganda, I guess. In that, it's not delivering. First of all, it's not delivering a world for the sake of private gain, but it's delivering the real world. So it's right. giving the good news, like actual. This is how the world is, and it's inviting people to participate in it. And that participation is important because when the, the object of propaganda in this sense is conversion, right? But conversion makes you a member of the church. Right, like you get your own bishops. Right, so it's not Let's that... speak your language and talk to you. Right, right. Right, like that's what that... <laughs> so quite the opposite of receiving a lie, right? Where you enter right. into a relationship where, where now 
the world is dependent on the continued delivery of a lie precisely because it doesn't match up with the real world, but needs to come from a man, mm -hmm. from a particular person who is inventing a world. And you become dependent on the reception of this. Um, you know, within preaching, it's the delivering of the real world that makes you a member. And so you actually begin to converse within the link with the shared language of this universal body, but right through your particular, your particular piece, your particular world too. Right. So you're actually becoming, um, in becoming Catholic in this instance, um, in becoming Catholic, you're actually, uh, what's the word? You are joining a project of social construction. Yes. Right. You're not like passively receiving but the, the, the beauty of the, the Catholic project of social construction is that because, because social construction is always an analogical construction, right? It's always a, a, a presenting of the truth, not the truth in an exhaustive sense. The, the, the Catholic project is one of, ex, is one of extreme diversity. I mean, it's, a, it's one, like the, the church as it develops, becomes ever more beautiful in the same sort of way that the cosmos is, is ever more perfect or ever more beautiful because it's filled with diversity, mm -hmm. right? Like it's not about homogeneity. It's about, it's about perfecting human beings and the human beings as a species become more perfect in the more different ways that they are, are, are imaging God, right? As human beings, like the right. different sort of angles that they're looking at the world, the different ways of building peaceful societies. These, every time a new one is added, the church itself becomes more perfect. Right. So it's not just that the people who are joining the church are being perfected. Humanity is being perfected right. as the church has grown. Right. So, so really when we look at our propaganda regimes, what we're talking about is an evil form of preaching. Maybe not even a form, an evil deformation of preaching. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a form of idolatry. It's a form of, uh, of perverted preaching. It's, that's the reason why we go uh, often go to paganism and things that are just sort of explicitly that right like let's deliver a completely man-made world right make it such that people can't but um accept it yep and believe it yeah and operate like it's real like it's right. the real world right yeah keep 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 creation from breaking into this <laughs> um okay well that's propaganda for you it's no fun don't do it now <laughs> stop talking about tv shows all right right <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there's a real, there's a real way in which, in which this, the simplest answer is that we need to become holy, we need to become saints, and we need to reject the passive reception of a false world. And we need to laugh whenever we see the cracks in it. Yeah, that's there's right. there's still a whole lot of real world left. That's the, most of it is. <laughs> most of it is, right. And, and it, it rarely ever lines up. And because propaganda is what it is, it always tends towards its own silliness. Like it becomes a sort of silly assertion that what is false is true. Like it's, it's just, it's often just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. TV or movies are a great example of that where, where we just, we see over and over again things that are absurd. Right. To the point where we don't even notice it. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, get rid of your smartphone. Don't let your kids watch things. And... <laughs> Uh, have real, I mean, have real community, right? Yeah, have friends and talk about things and build your own build <laughs> build your own culture that's not dependent upon uh, the propaganda regime in order to function. I mean, that seems to be that seems to be the crucial point. And and it's not like you even have to be like, oh, we're going to become weird and different and not understandable to the culture. It's just that's what happens by virtue of of not caring. Yeah, about. and you know what else is like is like recognize a liar for what he is. Yeah. And, and, and stop accepting it as, a, as an acceptable way to behave. Mm. 
right? Like there's nothing more despicable than a liar. Right. And if the people who are in authority in our society are liars, they're despicable. Mm-hmm. Like stop pretending like, well, he's just a politician. <laughs> it's like, no, he's a horrible human being. He's lying. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if we had that, that attitude towards, towards corporate advertising? Right. Like they're, they're, like, they're lying to me. Right, like like Jeep is lying to me. They're horrible people. They are, and there's and there's, there's it's not, <laughs> and, and, and they're particular horrible people. Like those people in that conference I, room that decided to say that by eating this food I would have a happy family are disgusting. <laughs> they're aggressive. They're violent. So so like lying is not acceptable. Right. Let's stop acting like it is. Do you think that ads then should be like within a just society? Are do you, you gonna- think? I know exactly what you're going to say. Ads are lies and should just be um, (laughs) illegal. I think that lying should be illegal in the sense, absolutely illegal in the sense of being um, socially forbidden. And and, and that to be a liar is to have your reputation destroyed. To be a liar is to be a dishonorable human being Mm. who people don't respect. Now, I also think there should be actual like statutory laws against lying. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but I don't know, that sounds like a prudential problem, but I don't, I don't think sort of theoretically there would be any, there would be anything wrong with outlawing um, what we think of as corporate marketing. Mm. I mean, the way it's manifested itself. Yeah. Right. It may not be the prudential thing to do, but I don't think there's anything. I, I mean, it's certainly immoral. Mm-hmm. So yeah, potentially no, I, outlawable. Well, right? I figured, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then to... You know, there's probably some places where you could talk about how you can instruct people about various goods, but without lying to them. Right, right. Like a third party consumer reports, <laughs> like just listing like their various qualities and stuff like that. You I know, mean, that, that sort of thing would be possible. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think in a healthy society, it wouldn't come to that. Right. Right, you would already have the conversations in which you could evaluate things. It would there. already be the case that when the guy who produced the manipulative ad walked by, the people in the community would go, oh, man, did you hear about that guy? What he did? No, he didn't really do that. Yeah, he did. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm not going to invite him to my Christmas party. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's yeah. probably all the enforcement we need. Right. No, that would be sufficient. <laughs> all right. So to everyone but the liars out there, thanks for yeah. listening to New Polities Podcast. We will be back shortly. Thanks. Thanks.